Thanks for listening to the New Life Church Cersei podcast. Before we get into today's message, we want to remind you that if you'd like to get connected to what God is doing here in our local community, you can text the word Cersei to 88000 for more information. There you can let us know how we can be praying for you this week, get plugged into a life group, you can give online, sign up for a serve team, and so much more. Finally, you can find today's message notes in the Bible app. Just tap the link in the podcast episode notes to follow along with us. Now let's get ready to hear a great message today. Glad to be in church today. Can we put our hands together? Come on. Uh, Can you guys put your hands together again for me to welcome everybody watching online? Hi, Facebook and YouTube. Hi. We're glad you're here. Um, Amen. Praise God. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Caught me a little bit off guard. I'm not even going to lie. Good morning. We're glad that you guys are here today. Um, We're going to dive right into the message here in just a second. Real quick, you're like, well, Craig, don't we usually do like offering and something like that? We're doing something different the rest of the year, and uh, that is where we are going to do offering at the end of the service. Um, We're also going to do communion if you'd like to do that as well at the end of the service. And so I'll give you more instructions as we get closer to that. Of course, you can always give online, by the way, newlifechurch.tv slash giving, but uh, we're going to do... All of that at the end of the service. If you got a Bible or a Bible app with you, I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 9. That's where we're going to be reading from this morning. Uh, If you don't have either of those things, don't worry. We come prepared, and it'll be on the screens for you. Uh, You can follow along there as well. Acts chapter 9. Um, This is just to kind of give you a little context before we dive into it. At this point in the story... Saul, who we know a lot of as Paul, at this point he has not yet encountered Jesus. He is a Pharisee and he is bent on finding and persecuting Christians. At this point in history known simply as the way. We weren't, they weren't called Christians quite yet. It was just simply the way. And Saul is out to find them, to persecute them, to imprison them, take physical measures if needed. Um, And he is going to great lengths, especially in Jerusalem, to find them. But he is starting to venture outside of Jerusalem. And he hears about a group of people in the area of Damascus. And that's where we pick up this morning in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. This is what it says, talking about Saul. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? Now, it's really important. We've mentioned this before, but it's really important. Anytime you see a name repeated in Scripture when somebody says that, it is not necessarily that they're saying their name twice. It's using that for emphasis. So in other words, at this point, they couldn't just you know, highlight and click bold. Uh, they had to do something to in- initiate that it was being emphasized strongly. So when you hear Saul, Saul, it's more like he's yelling loudly or sternly or um, emphatically to get his attention. So it's, it's, it's very strong. Saul, why are you persecuting him? And he said, Lord, who are you? Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. And I'm going to skip around because there's a lot here, so I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. But just for some context in this middle part, to paraphrase, uh, Paul at that point is blinded. And the Bible says he's blinded for about three days. 
does not eat or drink during this time, basically so stunned by what had just happened that he is just in a state of shock, does not eat, does not drink, blinded, feeling, him, feeling his way around everywhere. The people around him are shocked as well, and he's told to go to Damascus. In verse 13, then Ananias answered. Ananias, by the way, uh, is a, another man that we jump to in this story. He is an ordinary man in Damascus who Jesus appears to, gives him instruction to go find Paul and pray over him. And this is where we pick up verse 13. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard about that man, uh, uh, how much he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 17, and Ananias went, Ananias went uh, his way and entered the house. Laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once, arose and was baptized. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 20. In, in that verse, basically, it just says that he stayed there for a few days. And then immediately, he preached about the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. In verse 21, then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed, who called on his name in Jerusalem, and has come here now for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priest. People still didn't quite believe that Paul was actually speaking what he was speaking. He thought it was some ploy to speak about it, draw him out, and then take him back into captivity. I want to title my message this morning, if you're a note taker, Your Calling is Calling. Your Calling is Calling. I want to pray this morning. We also, we love praying for other churches in our community. We, we believe we're better when we're together. Today we want to pray for Westside Church of Christ. They're really important to me because that's where my wife went to church. Uh, as a kid, and so we just want to pray for them this morning as well. Let's go to God in prayer. God, we love you. Thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. Thank you that your presence, we've already felt it here during worship. God, we've already experienced your, your love in this place. And so, God, we, we just come into this message today ready to receive what you want to speak to us, God. I pray that you teach us what you are calling us to do. Teach us how to understand it and learn it. God, we pray for our friends at Westside Church of Christ, that you bless that church and what they mean to this city. God, let this be the best fall they've had. God, continue to impact them and, and help lead them to teaching people about who you are. We love you for it. In the name of Jesus. And everybody said, if you're watching online, type that in the comments. Amen. Um, if you're here this morning and have a cell phone, I want you to get it out. Okay, everybody, 100% participation. You got a cell phone, get it out. Some of you digging through purses, you're, you're, you're getting in pockets, okay? Some of you are already on it playing Angry Birds. I'm a youth pastor, I'm used to it, okay? Uh, now, I want you to take your phone, I just want you to lift it up, hold it up. If you got a phone, lift it up, okay? Yeah, see, so many of us do, yeah? Uh, I, if I were a betting man, I would bet most of us spend time on this device every day. Like, if you checked your screen time, some of you would be around the hour mark, maybe some of you three, four hours I read a study, I told our students this, that uh, the average Gen Zer spends about seven hours on their phone, okay? They need to get lives. We all agree on that. Um, the cell phone, or the, the telephone in general, has, it has come a long way since when it was first created in 1876, about 145 years ago. We're approaching the 
year anniversary of the phone. And it's come a long way. It's evolved a lot over the years. Wouldn't we agree? Um, it wasn't that long ago that this was in every home or in a lot of homes. Okay, Anybody here remember this type of phone? Okay, It's got the little dial on it. Yeah, you had to manually, the analog. Yeah. Um, there are some of you like, bro, you are speaking Greek to me. I have no idea what that device is. This, is. this is what you used to have to do. Like you would just spin the little dial and you had to call somebody this way. It took forever to call somebody. There was actually a time that you would just pick up the phone and somebody would already be there. Like that's, We think about invasion of privacy now. If you leave that phone off the hook, they just listen to you. But you pick it up and you tell them who you wanted to talk to. So we had that for a long time. We, we eventually went to the buttons. You pushed the button and you had it on the wall and the whole nine yards. This was my favorite thing growing up, this long cord. Anybody remember playing with that cord when they were a kid? Yeah, okay, just me. Awesome, all right. Then we graduated. I don't have one up here, but anybody remember the Zach Morris phone from Saved by the Bell, that big, giant brick phone? Yeah, okay. Nobody? Just me? Cool. I don't tell, I'm, no, I'm not the oldest person here. Okay, so, but we remember that phone, and we remember, you know, somebody along the way in the 80s said, you know, we don't want to be bound to phones just in our home. We need to take it on the road, and so we had bag phones and car phones and the Zach Morris phone and all that stuff. And at some point in the 90s, they said, you know what, we got to make phones smaller and compact. And so this little device became available. Anybody have a flip phone back in the day? Come on, show of hands, you had a flip phone. Yeah, now, now I'm starting to get into some people here. There was something very satisfying about a flip phone, isn't there? Like just that, you know, you can, you can just little, like it was just satisfying. And I noticed something as I was preparing for this, like today, if you get mad at somebody on the phone, and you like, you know, you got to hang up really quickly. Like, there's no emphasis. It's like, oh, yeah? Well, you too. But see, when we have flip phones, like you got mad at somebody. It's just like, well, fine. And you slam it shut. There's something satisfying about that. Then we graduated to this little device. Anybody remember this? Nokia? Come on. Candy bar phone. Indestructible. You could do whatever you wanted to do this thing. This is literally, this was my phone. And this is the phone that I didn't realize one day I had like gym shorts on. I was in a gravel parking lot and I went to go get in my car and I didn't realize, but it had fallen out of my pocket onto the gravel parking lot. And that alone would have destroyed an iPhone. But I not only dropped it on the gravel, I ran over this with my Jeep. And I was like, oh, wait, that's my phone. I went and picked it up. It works just fine. Okay. Here we are 20 something years later. I bet if I charged it, it would work. Beautifully. I could play snake on it all day long, okay? Then all the business people, we, we grew up, right? We had real jobs, and everybody was carrying around a little Blackberry. Anybody have a Blackberry? Anybody have one of these? Yeah, you suddenly you could do email, you could check calendar stuff. It took you, uh, you know, you had a full keyboard on here. It was great. Everybody had a, a Blackberry. And then in 2007, the great prophet Steve Jobs came along. And, and, and came out with this little device called an iPhone. Now, this is my actual first-generation iPhone here, okay? I've kept it all these years because, you know, it could be worth something. Uh, and more, more, more or less just for nostalgia's sake. And 14 years later, we, <laughs> there's a little bit of a difference here, right? Uh, I remember when the first iPhone came out, I thought it was the greatest invention ever made. I could not wait to get my hands on one. The fact that you could see your music and you could flip through the little album thing. And I remember I'm that nerd who watches all the Apple keynote addresses, you know? And I remember watching Steve Jobs in his little turtleneck up there saying, it's a phone. It's a web browser. 
it's an iPod, just over and over again to try to, because nobody had context for what this thing was. He had to point out, explain it to them what this was. 14 years later, here we are. We all have one of these in our pocket. You can do so many things on this. You can, you can FaceTime with people. There's, of course, social media. You can do everything. You can literally do everything a computer can do in your pocket. Some of you in this room, you cannot go a day without your phone. Some of you literally could not do your job without this device. Some of you use it to connect with people. You use it to take a bunch of pictures. It's replaced cameras. Anybody remember those little paper cameras you know, used to get and you'd have to wind it up, a little flash? You know? It's replaced all of that. It does so many things. But there's one thing over the course of the last 145 years, all the way from the first phone to the phones we carry in our pockets right now, that they all have in common. They all have the ability to make and receive calls. It's their intended purpose. It's why they're created, is to make and receive calls. And we, too, are created to receive callings as well. And just like these devices, they don't answer automatically. We have to choose whether or not to answer the call or not. I firmly believe that every person in this room has been called by God. Every person. I believe every person watching online has been called by God. I believe every person sitting in another church in this city, in this world, has been called by God. People not sitting in churches, whether you believe in Jesus or not, every human being who's ever lived has been called by God. The question is, do we answer that call? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Now, there are some that hear that and almost hit call forwarding. Like, no, you ain't talking to me. He's talking to somebody on stage or in full-time ministry. You're talking to people who have been called into ministry. And we just kind of forward that on and say, it's not me. I, I could never get on stage and speak like that. I, I could never lead a life group. I can't play a guitar like John Mayer. I can't sing like Adele. You're not going to catch me. Dear baby Jesus, don't put me in a kid's ministry, Okay. Like, I am not called to serve like that. I can't be called. They must be called. But then there are others who feel the weight of that call on their life. They read that verse, and if you apply that to your everyday life, if you take the Bible and apply it over everything, then you automatically feel the weight of that call. You feel the weight of what God has for your life, and suddenly you find yourself, every decision that you're making is filtered through the lens of being called by God. Now, it's almost like a Marty McFly effect. Like, if I've been called by God, what if I make one wrong decision? Does what God called me to suddenly start fading away? Does, like, the picture start going? What if I, well, what if I go to the wrong college and I end up doing the wrong major and I meet the wrong girl and I don't have the kids I was supposed to have? And then is the call of God on my life completely gone? We overanalyze and say, God... If you've called me to something, would you just tell me what I'm called to do? But this is the truth, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Your calling is about who you are before it's about what you do. God calling us, the call that God has on our lives, is more about who we are than what it is that we do. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this, For God saved us, and called us not to be a missionary, not into full-time ministry, not to be a nurse or a mechanic, 
not to be a TikTok influencer, not to a job, not to a task, but he has called us. Look at what it says. God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. Who you are is way more important to God than what you do. Who you are, the person you are, the character that you have, who you are becoming is more important to God than what you are going to do. I believe personally I've been called to lead. I've known that since I was a teenager. I didn't know what capacity that was going to be. Honestly, from the ages of 16 to about 21, I thought I was called to be like a rock star. I'm not even going to joke. Like, I thought I was going to, now, like, in a Christian way, like, you know, like a young and free, you know, elevation worship, that kind of thing. Traveling around the world, doing these sellout arenas, leading people like that. I thought that was going to be my life. I thought that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I was in a band, and I was like, I'm going to use this for God. He wouldn't have given this to me if I wasn't supposed to do that. And I thought that was my calling. And I had what I was supposed to do mixed up, but as I was maturing and growing, I was learning about who I was supposed to be, and I started to understand that who I am, I am a leader. If I fall in line with that, then it doesn't matter what I do as long as God's calling me to this. And if I'm called to be a leader and I'm not living a holy life, if I'm not with high character, if I, if I don't pay attention to those things in my life, then I'm not fulfilling my calling. doesn't matter what I do if I am not living up personally to what God has put on my heart as a person, then it doesn't matter what I do. So how is God calling us? Let me quickly give you three thoughts this morning. The first one is this. God calls us to know him. God calls us to know him, have a relationship with him. Let's look back at our text. I didn't forget about Paul. I know I started there. Context is important when it comes to the life of Paul. At this point in our story known as Saul. We, we often think Paul's a bad guy, right? Like he's persecuting Christians. He's a, a bad guy. But think about this from Paul's perspective for just a second. See, the Jewish community at this point in history had a reputation of falling off the wagon and falling for false idols. In in Saul's mind at this point, he is fulfilling his godly purpose. The Jewish community, the Israelites, had this reputation. Even while Moses was on top of the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments, the Israelites were down at the bottom of the mountain having a party with the golden statue. This is not a new thing. So when Jesus comes on the scene, all these Pharisees and people like Paul are looking at it going, well, this is just another thing that they're following. This is another false idol. This is another person that they're going off to. And so his godly duty in his mind was to go after and stop it before it got started. Find these people, put them in jail, take care of it before it spreads any further so we can focus on the one true God. It wasn't until he encountered Jesus personally that his true calling was realized. And we forget that. I don't know about you guys. Like I said, I'm a nerd, so I pay attention to this kind of stuff, but... I don't know, how many of you realize that your phone, if you have an iPhone, a, a, a Jesus-type phone, I don't know whatever the sinful phone type you have, but if you have an iPhone, there's a feature on it that came out with not too long ago, a year and a half, two years ago, that will silence unknown callers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's great for spam. 
Like, if you get spam calls, because you don't have to mess with it. You don't have to constantly be checking your phone and hitting decline. It automatically sends them to voicemail. You never know about it. But there's one problem with this feature, is if you're expecting a call from somebody, but you just don't have them in your contact information. This happened to Lauren and I in the middle of lockdown. Like a lot of you guys, we were eating a lot of DoorDash, okay, and calling restaurants and getting takeout. And we had placed a DoorDash order. I got something like pork chops. She got a burger. And she wanted a, a special sauce on it. It was an option for spicy mayo, I think is what it was. So she selected that. We placed our DoorDash order, and I just put my phone away. We said it, forget it. We expected our food in about 30 minutes. 30 minutes comes around, and what I didn't realize was happening behind the scenes is that the restaurant no longer offered that sauce. And so they were calling us. DoorDash was calling us, saying, hey, we don't have this sauce. Do you want a different sauce? Do you want us to cancel the order altogether? And at that time, I think they've changed it since then, but at that time, DoorDash had a policy. If, if they didn't have something that you ordered, they didn't replace it, they just canceled it. So 30 minutes goes by, our food arrives, I look in there, my pork chops are in there, her food is nowhere to be found. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on? So I looked at my phone, realized they'd called, left a voicemail, listened to it, hey, we didn't know what you wanted, so we just canceled it. And you know, any of the guys know, like, when, when you get something and your wife is out here in the cold, like, you want a pork chop? <laughs> Just have it all. I'll make a PB&J. We'll be good, okay? My point in all of that is this. I didn't have their contact information, so I didn't get the call. For a lot of us, it's the same way. If we don't know Jesus, if we don't have relationship with him, if he's not in our contacts, we're not going to hear the call that he's asking of us. We're not going to hear the call that he's beckoning us to. A lot of us, we are so desperate to get to what I'm supposed to do. God, tell me what I'm supposed to do. We've bypassed the whole getting to know Jesus part. And Jesus is saying, I want to know you and I want you to know me. That way you can recognize my voice. John 8, 47 says this. <clears throat> Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you don't hear them is that you're not of God. John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice, and my voice is leaving me right now. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. We have to have relationship with Jesus. Number two, God calls us to trust. God calls us to trust. Trust plays a role in the both, both the lives of Paul and Ananias in this story. Both of them have to trust. Paul has to trust that this vision that he's seeing, this person he's seeing in front of him, is the Son of God. That it is Jesus. It's this person he's been persecuting for a long time. Ananias has to trust that God has called him to change the heart of Paul. We have to remember, Ananias, he was a normal guy. Like, he was not a pastor he was not a prophet. He was not an apostle. He was a normal guy. He was an ordinary man. And so he all, we also have to remember that Ananias did not realize Paul had had a life change yet. It even says it in verse 13, Lord, I've heard many people talk about this guy and how much harm he's done. Are you sure? He wants to be sure. God, are you sure he's had a heart change? 
There's a quote that you guys have all heard before that God doesn't call the prepared. God prepares the called. But the only way that God can prepare us is if we answer the call to trust him. There's a great example in Mark chapter 10 and 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing for time's sake, but in Mark 10, two of Jesus' disciples, James and John, they ask him, hey, when you get on your throne, can one of us sit on your right and one of us sit at your left? And Jesus uses it as an opportunity to teach them, like, listen, it's not, it's not about where you sit. Like, if you want to be first, you got to be last. If, if you want, if you want to, to be served, you have to first serve other people. And then in verse 11, it talks about Jesus making his entry into Jerusalem, his triumphant entry into Jerusalem. It's a big deal. And Jesus asks two disciples to go on ahead of him. Now, the Bible doesn't say which two it is, but I love how Craig Rochelle teaches this. Because he said, if, if I were Jesus, I would use this as an opportunity, a teaching opportunity for James and John. Like, I want you to go ahead and fetch the donkey. Like, they're thinking triumphal entry, big deal. I get to walk beside Jesus like I'm, I'm the man. Like, I get to have a role in this. But yet Jesus says, go fetch the donkey. Like, what? Donkey duty? Like, I, why am I doing that? The reason why I think Jesus is, is doing that is because the size of your assignment never determines the significance of your impact. The size of your assignment, what you've been asked to do, never determines the significance of your impact. That donkey, that menial task, fulfilled an ancient prophecy from the Old Testament about Jesus proving he's the Messiah. And that leads us to the final call I want to talk about this morning. God calls us to serve. God calls us to serve. Now, some of you are going, here we go. Like, this is what it's come down to, Craig asking us to serve at church. Like, this is all about serving in production, okay? But here's my point. A, I got two thoughts with this. A, absolutely. <laughs> like, you need to serve the local church if at all possible. We need you. As somebody who leads multiple teams, I can promise you, we need your help. Like, we need you to serve in production or on a worship team or parking cars or serving kids. We need you to serve, okay? You can text Cersei to 88,000 if you'd like to serve them. <laughs> My second thought is that that's not the point. The point of God calling us to serve his people has nothing to do with the heart of the local church. That's a part of it. We are called to serve God's people regardless. Serving the local church is an opportunity that we all have. It's important. We need it. But look at what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 17. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love that. Whatever you do, whatever it is, whatever you do on a Monday morning, Whatever you do on a Thursday night, whatever you do when you're in a crowd of people, whatever you do when you're by yourself, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Our calling is about who before do, but once we know Jesus and have a relationship with him, and once that relationship grows into trusting him, 
then we can't help but want to serve God's people. I get asked all the time, Craig, you've been doing this for a while. Like, why, why do you love doing it? Because I've been called to it. I've been called to do this. When I have a relationship, yeah, are there times that I would rather stay home in my pajamas? Absolutely. <laughs> but I can't stay away too long because I've been called to this. Like, I love serving the local church. I love serving God's people because I've been called to it. If we want to answer the call God has for us, we have to serve God's people. Some of you are in business. Listen, most of you here may not ever be called to full-time ministry. It doesn't mean you can't serve. If you're called to business, listen, create a product. Create a service. In talking with people, do what you can do to serve those people. Create something that makes their life better. When you talk to them on a Tuesday afternoon, you answer the phone, do something to impact their life. Make their day better. On social media, some of you are trying really too hard to be a TikTok famous. You got all the moves, right? I'm not even, that's as much as I've got, okay? I know some of our students in here are going, come on, dance, Craig, dance. I'm not doing it. But on social media, listen, Last week, the five hours Facebook and Instagram were down were the best five hours of the last decade. It was probably good. I heard somebody on a podcast say, I wish it was down a little bit longer so we would all detox and never want to go back. Social media is just part of our life. It doesn't mean that you have to use it to hurt people. Some of y'all need to stop commenting on Facebook. And what you do post, let's use it to serve God's people. Let's use it to glorify God. Our, is what we're posting pointing people back to Jesus? I just did a whole series with our students last month on social media because it's something we need to educate ourselves on. Are we using social media to serve God's people? In ministry, some of you serve in kid life or little life or you serve in production or the worship team and there's a lot of different areas at our campus that we serve. Some of you may be in full-time ministry. Maybe you have a passion for it. You want to be in full-time ministry. You're called to it sometime down the road. In ministry, we need to love and serve people even if we don't get the credit for it. Even if nobody ever knows that we had a part to play in that, we need to serve God's people regardless. I've had some people <clears throat> over the last couple of, of months say, Craig, I don't see you on stage very much anymore. We're, we're, you're still here, right? Like, yeah, I'm just behind the camera a lot. And it's been a great time for me because I, I don't necessarily want people looking at me. I always used to say this when I led worship. I would prefer to lead worship with a big curtain right here. I want people looking at me. I just want to do it because I love Jesus. It's the mindset we have to have when it comes to ministry. I don't want to get the credit for it. I want to serve people because I love God's people. And the biggest enemy of our calling is usually comfort. The biggest enemy of our calling is usually comfort. I don't know about you guys, but during lockdown, we couldn't go anywhere. We all spent way too many, much time in sweatpants. And it took a lot of getting used to to get back into jeans. I'm still not there yet. Comfort causes us to want to stay where we are, but God is calling us out of that. Paul understood this. He understood that to fulfill the calling God had on his life, he would be uncomfortable. 
Just like what God told Ananias, he's a chosen vessel of mine. I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. I'm gonna show him. And Paul did. Paul would be beaten, stoned, shipwrecked three times, nearly drowned, robbed, starved, imprisoned, snake-bitten, and eventually executed. And in all of these moments, Paul could have simply said, I've done a lot. Let's wrap it up. I've done enough for a lot of people, so maybe I just coast the rest of the time and go into hiding. But instead, you know what he said to the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13? I forget what's behind me. I strain toward what's ahead, press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Not saying, well, I should give up now. No, pressing forward. Because the moment you step into your calling is the moment you step out of your comfort zone. Your calling isn't about you. Our calling is about Jesus, knowing him, trusting him, and serving his people. So this morning, what I want you to do all across this room, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment. Every person, nobody looking. If you're watching online, I'd love for you to do the same thing. Just close our eyes for a moment and just put our attention on Jesus for just a second. Our calling, it's our choice whether we answer that call or not. And I told the first service this as well, and I'm going to tell you guys too. It's really easy for us to, like I said, point toward other people and their calling. To think of ourselves as insignificant or we don't have the things we need. And I meant what I said that every person in this room has been called. Maybe you're here and your calling right now is to know Jesus. Maybe you don't know him. Maybe you've never said that prayer, you've never had that relationship. Or maybe you said the prayer, but you don't feel like you really know who Jesus is. You don't have the heart of the Father. Maybe you're here and you, you know Jesus, but you haven't fully trusted him yet. Maybe you've been hurt before. Maybe something's happened in your life and you have a hard time trusting that God would care about you when he lets things happen. Maybe you need to trust him. Or maybe you're here and it's time. It's time to start serving God's people. Maybe if we're being honest with ourselves, we've been a little selfish a little too long. I know I've been that way. And the call that God is putting on our heart, we just cannot shake it, is to serve somebody. Whether that's here at the local church or in your workplace, in your family, whatever it may be. So this morning, all across this room, we're not gonna call you out or embarrass you, but I just wanna ask you a question. If you feel like you've been called by God in any one of those three areas, called to salvation, called to know him, called to trust him, or called to serve, I just want you to lift up your hands so we can pray. If that's you, thank you. Lots of hands, that's amazing, thank you. Thank you. I want you guys, if you will stand up all across this room with me. I wanna pray, then I'm gonna give you some instruction about what we're gonna do next. Our prayer is easy right now. Our prayer is to simply say, God, what have you called me to do? And our, our prayer should be to answer that call. 
So right now, let's just pray, God, we love you. Thank you for every person in this room who raised a hand, who said, God, I know you're calling me to something. I don't, I don't, maybe they don't even know what it is yet, but we know you've called us, called us to more. You've called us to know you, to trust you, to serve your people.